You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter Podcast, hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And me, Taylor Shanklin, VP of Marketing at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today. And we're going to talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we'll engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to help their vision become a reality. In episode number 12 of the Nonprofit Chatter, we're going to dive into social media trends. In this episode, Taylor and I will be joined by Lee AC, Communications Director of Social and Digital Innovation at Mayo Clinic. Hey Lee, thank you for taking the time to join us on the Nonprofit Chatter. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and Taylor about the current social media trends. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Lou and Taylor, and really glad to be with you. All right. Well, let's just get right into it. Lee, you and I met earlier this year. We were at a conference, and I swung by your booth and said, Mayo Clinic, what are you guys doing in social media? And we got to talking about it, and you have really started a program that helps teach other medical facilities about how to do social media. So let's just start at the beginning a little bit and talk about the evolution of social media over the years. Lee, from your perspective, how has it evolved over the years and how is it different now than it was 10 years ago when you're thinking about implementing social media marketing or any sort of social media campaigns at your organization? Sure. Well, maybe I'll, I'll step even one step uh, back from that and, and talk a little bit about our social networking at Mayo Clinic as, as part of our DNA, our organizational DNA, and why it's been really important. I mean, our main campus in Rochester, Minnesota, is in a town that today has 120,000 people, and yet we have patients come from 140 or 150 countries in every U.S. state every year. And the most important factor behind that has been word of mouth. It's been patients telling their family and friends about their experience and making a recommendation, hey, you should go to Mayo Clinic. So when I was the manager of our media relations team at Mayo Clinic, say 15 years ago, um, we saw an opportunity to, as as social media platforms were coming into uh, existence, because uh, they didn't exist before that, uh, as a way to do the media relations work that I was already doing and to really harness that word of mouth in a way that was was really powerful. But instead of just over the back fence, that people could you know, share their experiences online and that that would you know, help contribute to word of mouth. So we saw an opportunity um, to get into, uh, so first of all, to apply social media on our behalf, but then we had other organizations come to us and ask, um, you know, ask for tips because they were a little bit nervous about getting involved in it. And so that's how we created the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network as a way to um, provide that, uh, those best practices and guidelines, and also a gathering point for us to learn together and learn from each other about um, what's changing and how we can respond and, and what are some of those best practices. 
And so to get to your question, you know, over the last 10 years, a big thing that's changed is really the decline of organic content. Um, organic content is still important. Um, it's still the kind of the base of what we do, but uh, because um, the platforms have evolved and matured, they're much less likely to have brand content be um, pushed out to users. Uh, it's more about the, the personal relationships. And besides, no, no Facebook user is going to pay for his or her friends to see their posts. But brands will, you know, and so it's kind of a, a, a double whammy there. So uh, probably one of the biggest things then is that um, uh, having a paid component to social is, um, is important, but it still doesn't diminish at all the need to have high quality content and content that's meaningful to your intended audience. Because if you're just putting money behind content that isn't great, um, it's going to cost a lot more to to reach the audience that you're trying to reach, and it's just not going to work because you know the the platforms want to keep people engaged. If your content is not engaging, then people are going to you know get off the platform. They're not going to pay attention to your content, and they don't they don't make the money. The platforms don't make the money off off of that uh, potential engagement. So I think that's really a a, a huge part of it. Um, you know, Facebook um, has, you know, continued to be, you know, really the mainstay of, of us reaching the patient uh, audience, uh, especially as it's starting to skew a little older. It feels weird to say that it's skewing a little older uh, compared to some of the other platforms, but, um, you know, it is really the one that probably drives the most, uh, or that definitely drives the most in terms of both uh, patient appointment requests as well as uh, engagement with our content. You know, digging into what you said about making sure your content is engaging and thinking through organizations who do need to maybe run ads now to get some of their stuff seen. Have you run into any tips that you have now based on like what works, what doesn't work? Yeah. So, I mean, a big part of it is that's why I said the organic content is foundational, uh, that we do a lot of content that we don't end up. Uh, boosting. We don't end up promoting, uh, but we want to see the, the posts that are starting to do well organically. And then if we are able to pay a little money to put, put that in front of more people, um, then that will help us to, um, you know, we see that the content is resonating well, then that's going to really amplify what we're able to accomplish. The other part is to really like to, to target the content as effectively as you can so that that initial audience that you're showing it to um, is an audience that is likely to be more interested. So if you're, you know, if you have content that's uh, relevant to polycystic ovarian disease, or whatever, that that's that that's a something that you well you definitely want to be showing that to women, and you want to be with women in a, in a certain age group, and particularly, and also maybe if there's been a um, you know a, an interest in the condition listed then you're putting you're starting yourself you know one step ahead or at least not one step behind where you're the um, the denominator the that gives you your percentage engagement is uh, focused enough that the people who are seeing it are more likely to you know engage and share and comment 
and because of that, then uh, the platforms are going to be more likely to show it to more people like them um, as, as part of the uh, ongoing rollout. Beyond that, I'd also just say, I mean, video and, and photos, images are essential. Um, they, you know, text-only posts are <clears throat> going to have uh, difficulty uh, linking within, you know, having native content within the platforms as opposed to linking out to, uh, even to your website is, um, and it definitely needs to be an important part of the mix because the, the platforms are wanting to really encourage uh, as much of the activity to happen within the platform as possible. Yeah, that's a good point. New, you and I talk about that video and, and how video um, does well and, and can be engaging in another method to get people's attention. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, written content is great. And on at least on Nonprofit Pro, we do get a lot of eyes on it. But getting... Mix, mixing up the content with video, with audio, with images, it kind of, especially on social media, when you're scrolling through the feed, um, the images pop up and that's what catches people's eyes. So I, I like how you said that, Lee. Having something to stop the thumb, you know, as people are scrolling by, it needs to be something that's going to attract their attention. And the other point about video is uh, to really encourage putting text over the video so that um, as people are watching the sound off that they're able to um, uh, get the message because um, more often than than some of us who work in the business world want to admit people aren't always paying attention <laughs> during the uh, during a meeting and they might be kind of thumbing through on their phone and mm -hmm. if they can get uh, something out of the out of what they're seeing without having to have the sound on uh, that that's really helpful yeah and I think what's in a key that's important here is it's all about social media strategy, right? You talked about putting these different strategies in place, like videos and images and make sure you're targeting and using a combination of paid and organic content. So I'm curious um, of your advice to nonprofits on what types of social media strategies they could use to promote growth for the organization and maybe share some successful strategies that the Mayo Clinic has implemented. Sure. Well, we um, we've been um, uh, you know involved in in several different campaigns. One of which was uh, related to colorectal cancer awareness. I think the big thing to you know in anything that you're looking at is you know strategy, taking it to the highest level. What is it that you're trying to get people to do? How do you want them to change? You want to change what they what they think, what they believe, what they understand. What action do you want to get them to take? So, you know, a great example of that is as we've been working with uh, various other nonprofit groups that are interested in promoting colorectal cancer screening, um, we've been you know, collaborating on how we can uh, encourage people to understand the, the need for uh, screening. Um, colorectal cancer is one of the most preventable cancers if you uh, detect it early or if you like with a colonoscopy if you find uh, a polyp a precancerous polyp you can remove it and it doesn't turn into cancer um, and yet only about um, well only less than 70 percent of uh, eligible people people who would be recommended to have the screening are getting it and so as a result of that you know people are needlessly getting colon cancer so our goal is to get people to um, understand the 
uh, need for screening and and so some of that we've done is working on demystifying it uh, finding ways to help people know that there are lots of options for screening uh, and so focusing on who the audience is you know what's the message you're trying to get to them and then is when you start looking at the platform i mean too often we have people say hey we need a facebook page and that may or may not be true it may be that you pretty likely do need a facebook strategy but it might not you know necessarily be a page maybe it's a group um uh, a closed group or a, or a uh, hidden group or private group um, might be for stakeholders within our Mayo Clinic staff that might be saying okay let's put content on the Mayo Clinic page versus having a separate page for our uh, specialty. So it's um, looking at what is it that you're trying to accomplish and then picking the right uh, tools, the right platforms that will enable you to uh, accomplish that end goal. Um, for instance, if you're trying to reach um, women, uh, Pinterest, uh, you know, is a site that um, has a, 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 you know, extremely over indexes on women as opposed to men. Um, on, uh, you know, Twitter, for instance, um, is really great for the, the journalist audience. Uh, and there are various other demographics that uh, tend to uh, be more active in, in Twitter. So it's just picking the right tools, picking the right platforms. And then, then there are some basics on each of the platforms that um, are nuanced where you say, okay, what kind of content seems to work best uh, within this platform? Once you understand, once you know that the target audience is, is already gathering there. Yeah, okay, so that's a good point, picking the right channels so there's so many social channels and we talked about facebook there's instagram twitter linkedin youtube snapchat pinterest one thing that i hear from organizations we work with is like it can be overwhelming what advice do you have for nonprofits who are trying to figure out what channels that they should focus on maybe how do you identify what channels could be best for any particular organization's audience? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you mentioned LinkedIn as well and, and uh, yeah, these various others, um, Instagram. Um, that's where it, uh, it really comes down to the nonprofit's uh, mission and audience and, you know, where, and then also the, the characteristics of the platform. Does it have the communications capability uh, to accomplish what you're trying to do? For instance, uh, for Mayo Clinic, we have, we have used Snapchat, uh, but what we've done is created some filters in uh, geo-targeted uh, in the children's center in the maternity ward um, so that um, moms who are having babies um, can post a picture and have a chance to put a Mayo Clinic uh, Children's Center filter around it. Um, for us, in terms of um, like with our physicians and wanting to share expertise, uh, putting it on Snapchat where it's going to disappear after a period of time um, doesn't seem like a really good investment of that physician's uh, time. So we have to look at you know what are those uh, what are those capabilities of each of the platforms? Um, the fact that YouTube is owned by Google and is search prioritized is um, an important uh, 
factor weighing in its favor. Um, LinkedIn, you know, for reaching a professional audience, and Twitter, surprisingly, for reaching a professional audience uh, through hashtags, uh, also uh, can be important for reaching the consumer audience. You know, uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, are are really key, and especially uh, Instagram for the younger uh, demographics. But the other point is, uh, like, start with um, start with understanding the platforms, uh, getting to know which ones uh, make sense for you, but don't uh, necessarily try to be everywhere. Uh, have some that uh, seem to be the most likely to have high impact for your organization. And in, in our case, we have a relatively large um, social media team. And so dabbling a little bit in Snapchat is okay because we want to experiment with it. But um, in most cases, that's probably not going to be, not going to play a huge role unless uh, it really resonates with that, with the, the demographic that's the target of your nonprofit. Well, and I like the point that you made about consumer audience versus professional audience. So that's something to think about if it's a corporate giving program that you're, you know, trying to get attention for versus individual giving. You know, I really agree what you said about focusing on the plat, like, do not try to spread yourself thin by focusing on so many different platforms, but focusing on the two or three that you know resonate with your audience and that you can do really well because that will make a more impact on your audience versus doing it all at once and not getting the right messaging out there. Yeah, once you get the, once you are able to demonstrate some impact, and that's something that we did, you know, starting 10, 12 years ago, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. as we got into Facebook and, and Twitter and YouTube, and we were using, I was using those platforms to do the media relations work that our team was already charged with doing, and we we're able to show that we, that we got results that were significant. And because of that, then we were able to build the case uh, internally with our leadership to say making a bigger investment here in our own Mayo Clinic team would be important and uh, valuable. And then beyond that, um, in keeping with our uh, organization's history and just what nonprofits and what you know healthcare is all about, there's a great culture of sharing and of learning together. And it's not like Coke versus Pepsi. Um, we're all here to help the patients or the or the cause, whatever cause we're involved in. And so creating the Mayo Clinic social media network as a place for our our colleagues, not only at Mayo Clinic, but in other you know, health-related organizations and nonprofits to be able to get that uh, training and, and share best practices um, is something that just resonated with uh, our organization's mission. That's what I really love about this sector, but this sector in particular, the nonprofit sector is so engaging and they want to learn, they want to be a part of a community. So um, I agree with you there. Hey, Lee, I've got one other question that just popped into my mind and I've heard this before from other people who are fundraising, maybe they're social media managers at their organization and they get this infamous question from a lovely board member just trying to do good. What's your response in coaching 
to people who are in a social media manager type of a role that get the request to just make it go viral? Well, mainly it's to <laughs> get the dry heaves, I guess, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there are, you know, and I mean, I'm sure that there are so many people in your audience who, um, you know, could we have another ice bucket challenge? Let's do something like the ice bucket challenge. It's like there are things like that that you, um, so you can, there's some, some principles that you can uh, try to understand, like, you know, tagging and shareability are important elements that, you know, you can't make something go viral. Um, there are, we've had sometimes, it is, you know, lightning in the bottle uh, sometimes. There are some of the seeds that you can plant and the cultivation you can do and you can try to you know, set things up in a uh, way that would encourage sharing. I mean, the whole idea of virality is that, you know, for every, uh, uh, that a high percentage of the people who um, see the content share it. I mean, and that's why we actually emphasize shares as our most important metric because it is, it is people saying, not only do I like it, not only did I comment on it, but I want my friends to see it. And so creating good content that is share worthy is um, important. Uh, it's, it's really a goal that we have for, for all that we do. But, um, you know, to be, to be viral, it has to be really uniquely interesting. We've had some examples like that of a video of one of our surgeons singing who's really, really good. <laughs> and he was singing, uh, and, a, and another fellow surgeon was playing piano uh, and during a break. And it led to him uh, getting flown out to be on the Ellen DeGeneres' TV show. And, you know, some interesting stuff that came from that. But it's like the, the, the fundamental interestingness of the content is what it uh, comes down to. And uh, we've had things that we've done that we thought were really good and they just didn't quite catch on. It doesn't mean that it's like, it's like the single, double, triple, home run, grand slam. You know, sometimes you're just getting a bunch of singles and doubles, uh, but that, and that's really what you can do. And, but then once in a while, uh, there'll be a little bit extra uh, pop in your bat. Yeah, I like that. And I like your point about sharing as a metric. I like to talk about engagement as the new metric as opposed to just like checking clicks and sharing. That's an example of true engagement where someone's taking the time to pass it along, to, to send it forward. Great stuff. Right. If nobody, yeah, if nobody shares, it can't go viral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so when each, each share needs to lead to, more people seeing it and a certain percentage, you know, somebody who that, who saw that one, that, that share also needs to share. it, And so there is sort of a virality index there, a sharing index that if, um, you know, less than if, if one out of a hundred people uh, see it and if then, you know, one out of a hundred people who see it decide to share it, then one out of the, and, and if a hundred people see it because of that share, then you can kind of keep it going. If it ends up that it's like three to five uh, of the people who see it 
decide to share it. And again, just for purpose of discussion, if if they if a hundred people each see that, that's where it has a ten a chance to multiply. Um, and but it, it that's where it really comes down to the quality and nature of the content because you can pay a lot of money to have more people see it, but if it doesn't lead to more shares, then you know um, it, it's not going to um, get amplified. Yeah, if it doesn't resonate with the shares, then it's not people aren't going to continue to share it. And you know. I agree what you said about videos that go viral. It has to be creative. It has to be unique. Um, it has to be fun. But also with videos that go viral, it's hard to predict on whether it will go viral or not. Um, so I guess the key is to just continue. You can't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's, there's some things, um, you know, we had an example of, uh, you know, this is a video of a couple of an elderly couple playing the piano in our Uganda building atrium that, I happened to see when, um, you know, so another a fellow patient had taken the video and uploaded it to YouTube. And when I saw it, it about a thousand people had seen it over the previous six months. So it wasn't, wasn't viral on its own, but yet I, when I saw it, I shared it in the right audience, which was on our Mayo Clinic Facebook page or our Mayo Clinic Twitter accounts. So it was back in 2007 or so, I think. Anyway, that was shared within an audience of people who are familiar with the fact that we've got a piano in our Ganda building atrium, and it was really cute. I mean, and they were the this was a you know a, they were talented uh, people who had fun, and it was just this you know 80, 89 year old guy and his eighty five year old wife, and they were uh, obviously loving life. Anyway, because of that, you know, within the next a month or so, there were about 2 million people that ended up seeing it. And I sort of charted it along the way on a daily basis to see how many views it was getting. It's not like I knew that was going to go viral, but you could say, well, yeah, that's really, that's pretty, but it also wasn't contrived. I mean, it was capturing something that was just, um, they were just playing the piano in the, uh, for the fun of it. And someone thought and thought it was really cute. So the whole idea of coming up with a viral campaign is that's where it gets a little bit problematic. So Lee, if people want to learn more about how to get the best out of social media for their organization, what do you recommend they go read, tune into? Well, I'd encourage them to sign up for a free basic account on our Mayo Clinic social media network. So it's at socialmedia.mayoclinic.org. Um, one of the things they'll be able to get there is uh, download a PDF or Kindle version of our a book called Bringing the Social Media Revolution to Healthcare. But all of our uh, basic members uh, can also participate in our discussion forum. And so you can learn, you know, see what, other, see what others have been talking about. We have a news you can use uh, daily curated news feature. That's a great way in, a, in just a couple minutes a day to catch up on what's the latest and what should I know about. Um, and then uh, there are also various uh, resources that we have that we've developed for Mayo Clinic, like our strategic plan template, um, our guidelines for Mayo Clinic uh, staff in social media that um, we've had many organizations use as the starting point or um, maybe even substantially plagiarized <laughs> for use within their organizations. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to make it uh, 
the analogy I like to use is we're a catalyst for social media. And what a catalyst does is reduce the activation energy, just make it easier for others to um, kind of go to school, to kind of use these, um, these guidelines and policies that we've, uh, that we've developed and adapt them for their own organizations so that they don't have to, you know, to use the cliche, reinvent the wheel. Awesome. So today we talked about a lot of great, great stuff on social media. We talked about, you know, social media strategy. We talked about focusing on the right platforms. And we talked about what components it takes for a video to go viral. And, you know, it varies from audience to audience. But I think one of my favorite things that, or one that really resonates with me, it's really top of mind, is focusing on the messaging on social media. And I think my favorite things that you said, Lee, was to tell your audience what action you want them to take and what you want them to do. And I think that is, it, it might get confusing on what kind, what types of messaging you're supposed to focus on when it comes to nonprofits and just giving them the action of this is what we want you to do. If this is our mission, please donate. I think that is kind of the key to the core of your social media strategy. Yeah, I, I, thanks. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think I'd just say that, you know, you, you know, your social media strategy needs to align with your organization strategy. Mm-hmm. So why does your organization exist? What are you trying to accomplish? And then how can social media help you do that? You know, when I started at Mayo Clinic, my job in media relations was to help tell stories about Mayo Clinic patients and Clinic research through journalists. And we saw social media as a way that we could tell those stories directly to consumers and, and potential patients. And so thinking about fundamentally what you're there to do, and then how can the social media tools help you do them better uh, is the key to having an effective strategy. I love that. So that about wraps it up for today's episode. I want to thank our listeners for listening in on today's podcast. And Lee, again, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Nonprofit Chatter and sharing your insights on social media trends and strategy. Thanks, Lou, and thanks, uh, Taylor, for getting us connected. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Lee. It was a good chat. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a great day.